This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Dojo Live. Today is Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. Cinco de Mayo. I just realized it's Cinco de Mayo. You know, with the lockdowns, you have no clue what day it is, but it's Cinco de Mayo. Welcome to the show. I want to welcome my co-hosts, Kim Lantis in Hermosillo, Mexico, who's actually from the office today. How nice is that? I had to escape. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. And then Carlos Ponce from Cuernavaca, Mexico. Hi, Carlos. Pleasure to be here as ever, Julio. And today we have Annie-Sophie Leblos, no. who is from San Francisco. She is the founder and CEO of Rabacan. And uh, we're going to talk to her about Industry 4.0. 4.0. So if you're wondering what that is, stay tuned. It's only 25 to 30 minutes. We won't waste your time, we promise. <laughs> Before we get started on the topic today, let's get to know Sophie a little bit. Sophie, please introduce yourself. Let us uh, get to know you. Hey, yes, thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm Anne-Sophie. As you can already tell, I am I have an accent. I'm French. Um, and uh, yeah, I started my career in Europe, uh, in different countries, actually, Spain, Germany. I um, My whole career is about procurement and is industrial procurement, actually. I started as a buyer in CPG company Reckitt, uh, and then I moved to aeronautics uh, when I was a buyer there as well, um, and uh, at Rolls-Royce in Germany, then automotive uh, cost reduction manager for Visteon. And then I decided to move to the US and ended up at Fitbit as a global commodity manager, um, looking after sourcing um, innovative materials. And, um, and so, I got into uh, you know entrepreneurship, and uh, now I have a company, and uh, that's my whole life. So I can talk about hobbies, but actually my hobby is essentially my company right now. Awesome. Well, it's uh, good to meet you. Thanks for joining us. Always exciting to see uh, female entrepreneurs in tech. We need more of them, so yes. thank you for that. Uh, tell us a little bit about Ravacan. Did I say that right? Is it Ravacan or yeah. Ravacan? Okay, cool. Uh, tell us a little bit about the company, what gave birth to this idea, what do you guys do? Yeah, so uh, the company is essentially something that was on in my head for a long time, you know, like uh, I, I was, as I was describing, I was a buyer, a cost reduction manager, and I was always doing my cost models in Excel, organizing myself as a digital native and mostly the most most often like most of the time the youngest buyer in the team I was building those models for my teams and uh, and at some point I moved to Silicon Valley and I thought I would you know uh, have an innovative software to use at um, at Fitbit <laughs> and to see that I had to build over again my my uh, my spreadsheet I was thinking okay there is a better way I have to do something about it if nobody is doing it I will do it. <laughs> And uh, actually, the story is that I learned programming. So I went back to school, studied programming for a year, and uh, created a prototype of what I wanted to build and um, and managed to sell it in five months. So I was thinking, OK, now it's starting. Yeah. Awesome. You know, uh, hanging out in Silicon Valley will do that to you. When I lived in New York City, there's like this buzz where you got to keep moving. 
And then if you go hang out in Palo Alto near Stanford, you just kind of feel like I got to go build something because everybody's building something. Everybody's coding. So well, welcome to the bug, right? Uh, let's go right into the topic. Kim, what are we talking about today? Let's dig in. Sure. And thank you for being here, Anne-Sophie. Uh, today's topic, as chosen by you, is Industry 4.0, the dawn of the new supply chain manager, how U.S. manufacturers can use sourcing and supplier collaborations to create winning strategies. So the first question today, Anne-Sophie, is why? Why did you choose this particular topic to talk about today? So I chose it because actually I realized that a lot of people are not giving enough attention to industrial sourcing. Um, I, I mean, I was explaining that we didn't have tools. Like you have salespeople, they have CRMs, uh, CRM software. You have engineers, they have PLM software, product uh, lifecycle management software. So you have all those departments that have their own tools. And um, my function, my job, where you only have Excel and email, um, and so, why why is that and um i think right now it's the time for sourcing and supply managers to really have uh to step up their game and to have powerful tools and uh, i'm going to detail what what it means exactly but um in industry 4.0 you have the revolution of iot so you're connecting your manufacturing line with you know um AI, like image recognition. Um, and that is very important and, and interesting because then we can you know, work on making sure that uh, manufacturers in the US have as well, you know, uh, enough leverage to be very productive and efficient. Um, such you as, have- Such as like the machines that blow burnt potato chips out of the bag. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah, yeah. So you, you save a lot of money with those, you know, um, technologies. And um, as well, there is a lot of things going on with um, logistics, like how do you track, you know, goods around the globe? How you you um, you track where they are? How you solve critical problems related to duties and um, and blockage on the Suez Canal? Um, but beyond that, you have as well actually the strategy of where do you want to buy your your goods and your components. What suppliers do you choose to work with? And uh, this is something I want to talk about today. So how is that done today, Annie-Sophie? Because um, I actually I was lucky enough to work in some industrial design IoT houses back uh, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And in the supply chain, in the logistics space, I mean, it's really challenging even to put a, a LT-type device that will stay on for you know, several weeks, especially when you're shipping something on a cargo ship. And then there's also the challenges of different cities in different parts of the world that don't have the same infrastructure. So right. is that, you know, this is going back probably 10 years now when the early days of the IoT, has that evolved now to the point where you can have visibility and infrastructure and those partners, those suppliers that provide that capability, does, do they make, are they more valuable in the supply chain? Well, how's that evolving today? So yeah, it depends on the commodity or the category of product, right? Um, so you would have electronics components and where you're sourcing is very important because then you you um, you need to 
select the right partners. And you can see as well with the strategic choice of Apple to build their own chip, you know, that um, here there is um, a strategic choice on how we want to, um, to select components. And then you have raw materials that follow the same patterns and uh, mechanical components where for mechanical components you design and the challenge is how do you design a component that is easy to manufacture, easy to source, and you can switch sources. Um, this is the, the whole thing. And uh, how it's done, actually, it's a lot, it's done with a lot of experts. So people that are specialized in buying certain type of products, and they have the knowledge, they have the network, and so it's still very manual. And uh, they negotiate creating their own models with Excel spreadsheets and emails, yeah. And Sophie, I have a question. Uh, your your platform, Cloud uh, Revicon, your cloud platform, you say that well, it empowers manufacturers to get the unfiltered truth about their product costs, right? Yeah. So taking the the unfiltered part, does this mean that there is some kind of uh, filtered truth that might hinder the efforts of these companies and the success of these companies at some point? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good question. Um, the fact that when when you send requests for quotations to your suppliers, you send them with, you know, an email and maybe you're going to add a cost breakdown template in an Excel, but then you will get an Excel back. And so it's very hard to consolidate everything and to keep track of the evolution of the different proposals. And how does a change in the cost breakdown of a component impact the overall product, right? Um, so the end product you're you're making. So um, essentially, what we are doing is to first to automate part of the um, the interactions between the buyers, the suppliers, and the contract manufacturers, if they have some, um, especially in consumer electronics or CPG, for example. And um, and then suppliers they can manage their cost breakdown and share it with. Uh, the buyers and actually when you have this first step you, you have visibility over who's supplying your components and then you have a second um, step which which are the supplier of your suppliers and there it's very hard to get visibility and um, especially when you have you know legacy tools so um, our platform is giving uh, possibility as well to the buyers to visualize their supply chain and to get you know more, yeah, more strategy in place um, beyond the first tier. Yeah. Speaking of strategies, I know that particularly with this generation of workers and the upcoming generation, purposefulness and meaningfulness are much more important to us than perhaps generations prior. Yeah. Part of that being certifications, uh, ethical, you know. So um, I'm lost of words for here, but obtaining um, materials, raw materials and otherwise in an ethical manner, et cetera. So would your product also help manage those type of components that might just not be number crunching, but other elements of decision making that might matter more to me? Yeah, uh, at this point, uh, we don't necessarily focus on this. The first step for us is to give visibility and then you take action. But uh, you're really pointing a very important thing is that we, uh, Ravakan is focusing on manufacturers. So you might have um, software companies, 
helping on the sourcing of indirect um, goods. So they are like office supplies or services, catering and things like that. We focus on direct sourcing. That means that um, components and materials that go into manufacturing the end product that the company is selling. And so the trees and the steel and the Right. Uh -huh. And um, and so if you look at manufacturers, they spend on average 70 percent of their revenue with those purchase goods. So with suppliers. Mm -hmm. So that means that actually the core resource that you're bringing to your your company and then you're delivering on is actually outside your company. And um, and so this is critical for your business. Um, it's critical if you're if your business goal is to sell cheaper goods, because then you need to rely on, you know, the manufacturers making cheap goods, or it's not to um, to sell cheap goods, it's rather to innovate. But there as well, because you're not always, you know, expert in designing all the components of your of your product, you need to rely on the expertise of your suppliers. And, um, and then so you're offloading some control to your suppliers. And then you can um, bump into some problems around, you know, where my materials are really sourced. Is my labor 100% legal or is my supplier um, subcontracting sub to uh, some population that should not be employed, you know? That's interesting. I, I would assume today that's got to be quite a challenge for someone to do that manually you know work with spreadsheets and then have some sort of control whenever there's a change that happens and not mm -hmm. having that transparency it's all based on relationships uh does this kind of transparency and visibility as well as collaboration that this enables also improve the risk of things like fraud uh you know uh and and such and what are the next sort of uh, as people adopt this, as companies adopt this, what are some of the things that out there are asking for? You know, it's kind of like you solve a problem and then suddenly there's a slew of other problems that you would think, oh, I, I want to solve that too. So what are the what are the next things that are coming up? Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, in the, in the culture of purchasing, you find those examples with uh, millions of dollars that have been actually, um, you know, um, taken away by um, employees because you didn't have the transparency or the processes mm. in place. Um, I have to say that now companies, they are more structured and they are more sensitive to that. So, um, but yeah, obviously this is something that, um, that uh, would uh, have more attention from buyers. Um, what I like to say is um, essentially what we are creating is like an autopilot. So it's not replacing the work of buyers, but it's empowering them to get more precise data. And so they can focus on what is really important, right? And so where they can really use their expertise not to do VLOOKUPs in uh, in Excel, but rather to, uh, to focus on building relationships, strategize on their supply chain um, and, um, and delivering value to their organization. Why do you suppose that this was a space that had been, let's say, ignored for so long? The idea of a supply chain manager, it makes perfect sense. Um, you talked about, you know, CRMs. I don't know how long they've been around, but I'm guessing decades. Um, yeah. So why, why did it take so long for this aha moment to sort of catch on and the need for a supply chain manager? 
So supply chain managers, they have been uh, around for a long time. The, the problem is that they didn't have really tools, right? Um, and um, I think it, like the use of Excel is great because you can start from zero and stop um, pretty quickly. It's it's um, versatile as well. You know, you build your own models and um, the perspective of thinking, okay, actually sourcing is very complex. It's if like it's different from one company to the other, but um, giving my experience, you know, working for di very different industries, I can tell you that uh, the patterns are the same. So maybe the vocabulary is not the same, but a lot of things are the same. And as well, it's just that, you know, um, uh, I, I would say industrial buyers are people that like the thrill of, you know, um, building things as well, but uh, not necessarily have the competence to create software. And um, and as well, a lot of, has been done on the indirect side, but uh, the complexity of uh, the direct side, the manufacturing, uh, has slowed down the, the process. But I think now it's a good time to to change that. Yeah, that's a story we hear often on our show. Somebody who has no tech experience whatsoever and like you, a lot of experience in a different industry and says, you know what, this needs yeah. to exist. And like you, they finally are the one with the courage to do something about it. Uh, mm -hmm. So congratulations. And Sophie, okay. <clears throat> I'm thinking of uh, uh, your you know, the concept of industry 4.0s. So taking that as an example, as a reference, what, is, what, what would you say, especially to the viewers who might be watching, what would you label as industry 3.0 or 2.0 or 1.0? So what is the difference and why the, the, what, what are the, 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 the logical steps or the evolution of this? Would you mind telling us a little bit about why you chose 4.0 as part of the, of, of the topic? Yeah, um, like 4.0, it stands for the new revolution of the industry, right? So uh, the different uh, numbers before were the different revolution in manufacturing, where you had first the implementation of um, the manufacturing line uh, with the Ford uh, new system of production, and um, then the surge of the internet, and now it's IoT. So actually, Industry 4.0 is not really used in sourcing yet. And I think we should put sourcing and supply chain management into industry.4.0. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Because okay. this is, yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So um, I'm curious about, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of tech companies, they are very focused in the US market or English speaking markets. And they don't often face the same challenges manufacturers face, which are, sourcing product worldwide. So there's multiple languages and, and cultural differences. How is the software or the platform facilitating that communication between yeah. different countries and languages? In is so that many... the next wave or is that already built in? How are you planning to handle that? No, I mean, software for me, it's clearly the solution uh, to you know the problem of having just Excel, with, which is in synchronous. So um, I don't know if you want me to detail why software is better than Excel, but uh, I can uh, tell you that when you have a global supply chain where you have so many different time zones and in synchronous actually collaboration, having one sort of truth is the key. Um, mm. Having an update in an email that is sent as an, like uh, in a spreadsheet that is sent as an attachment to an email 
is very hard to keep focus on the last version of the data, what has been done and when you don't have like activity tracking. So um, here with Ravakan, you have one sort of truth. Everybody's looking at the same version of um, you know the data, and uh, you can see who has done or changed what um, anytime and. Um, and as well, you can automate, you can generate reports, you can speed up your work, you know, you can let the software do some reminders or um, even, you know, um, some um, repetitive tasks. Yeah. Excellent. So um, how many customers are adopting this today? Where, where are you seeing which sectors are adopting this faster that you're noticing? Early, who are the early adopters? Let me ask that question that you're noticing. So our uh, product right now is uh, industry agnostic. So um, it can serve a multitude of different industries, but let's say that consumer electronics and CPG packaged goods um, are the main two uh, industries. Um, and why I think uh, consumer electronics is that they are right now innovators. They need to stay on top of the game and they have competition. And so they have to make sure that, you know, 70% of their um, suppliers, 70% um, of their revenue is well spent with, um, you know, the right partners. Um, NCPG, because those companies, usually bigger, you know, global companies, they have been trying to optimize their supply chain for a long time. And, um, and they still are in need of uh, powerful software. And so this is where we serve them as well. Um, and, um, and we help them, you know, taking the best out of um, software technologies. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Specific to Ravicon, what would you describe your company culture as? What is the company that you're looking to build? Who are the type of people that you want working with you? Mm, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I tend to, you know, have the same characteristic as, um, Industrial buyers. Um, I, I really love industrial sourcing for the force for uh, for uh, reasons. So it's a, a job where you need to be analytical. So you need to lead with data, um, but you need to value relationships and build relationships. Right. Um, you need to be interested in other cultures and be willing to travel the world uh, and uh, to strategize as well. And so essentially this is as well in our culture where we um, we value relationships we put our customer first and you know team member and team collaboration is very important well we uh, at the same time try to lead with data so try to be very focused on um, what we want to accomplish and track you know how we get there with real data rather than opinions yeah very nice Great. so Go ahead, Carlos. No, Go I was ahead. just going to say that I, I was going to encourage Anne Sophie that because we're approaching the final segment of today's interview, uh, maybe she has some words of wisdom for would be entrepreneurs or, or people who are actually embarking into the tech entrepreneurial spirit. What would you, what sort of uh, advice would you give them? Um. The first advice is surely to try, right? <laughs> because uh, I know that um, it could be um, 
like it could be hard to jump uh, into uh, into this. And to be honest, when I was in uh, in Germany, I I did a startup weekend, and that was mind blowing. A startup weekend. I don't know if you know, it's an initiative that uh, started with Google, and so you team up with uh, people, and for a weekend you bring uh, an ID to life. So you have business people, designers, and software engineers, and you can build something within the weekend and uh, and pitch at the end. And uh, this is a fantastic experience. Uh, so anybody can try it. Um, there is no big commitment. I think we that as a hackathon, at least here. That's Yeah, yeah that's, yeah. 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 And, um, but it doesn't need to be a technological product, so it could be anything um, for participating. And so this is a really good experience because then you can feel or have a sense if you like this energy and and if if you could lead um, in that um, that circumstance. And um, and so I actually won uh, a startup weekend prize, and uh, I went back to my manager saying, "Well, I want to really create what we've built." Uh, <laughs> this weekend and um and they allowed me to have one day to work on my project per week uh, so i was working four days a week um, with one day plus a weekend to work on my project but then i realized that it was you know not enough uh to really get the thing going so the um, you have to jump two feet uh, into uh, the unknown and uh, that's what i would recommend so that was the birth of Ravencan. I'm no, guessing. no, that's that no, was another project a long okay. time ago. Yeah, very cool. Also, that oh, no. I don't know who your previous employer was, but I think it's great that they were able to encourage that culture for you as well as for them. Um, yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, I, I I can relate to that. This, that's how Dojo Live was born, right? Similar, right, Kim? yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Very cool. Okay. Cool. So I guess my final question for you, you brought this up and I think it's something that's near and dear to our hearts here at Encora, we're all around the globe. And that was this idea of cross-cultural communication. So you being a French woman, I believe living in the United States, having worked in, you mentioned Germany, I think you said Spain. What would you say, what kind of advice would you have for us, all of us living, but also specifically working in a global community cross-culturally? Is there anything perhaps misunderstanding conflict or something that you've come across in a really great way to sort of easily adapt or maneuver in an environment like that what would a piece of advice be yeah i think it's very important to recognize that people in front of you uh, might not think the same way and even the words might mean something different um a good example is that a concept for french people is is an ID. And so when you say we are going to talk about the concept, then French people would think, okay, we are going to brainstorm. But Germans, a concept is really something very detailed, is like a, re uh, a report, right? And so when you say to Germans the same thing, uh, they are going to come super prepared and they are going to be frustrated that the French just, just, just show up with their ID, you know? And um, so my recommendation is just to be aware that um, you have in front of you someone that might not think the same way and to be super transparent. And so this is why it requires to align and to just ask the question, what have you understood? Are we on the same page? This is what we are expecting. And 
and yeah, yeah I love that naive about that but uh, yeah that ability to pause for even if it's just a moment and think could this be cultural like mm, are they really yeah. uh you know an unprepared blabbering moron or is this cultural <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you're totally right yeah. exactly sometimes you end up with both but uh <laughs> <laughs> But it's an inter that's an interesting concept. Yeah, totally. Uh, French show up with a cup of coffee. Do you and mean an idea go. or are you going to whip out a report for us? <laughs> <laughs> so um, what I'm hearing, Anne-Sophie, is uh, if you sitting around doing your work and are frustrated by the lack of tools or technology or automation or just innovation to do your role to be more effective at it, uh, go ahead and build it. I mean, that's essentially what you did, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. aligned yourself with people who could help you, who can give you the support needed to take an idea into fruition, into actually creating a product. And so, you know, that's loud and clear. If you're a practitioner of some sort and you're struggling with something, you get an idea, just go do it. Yeah. <laughs> There's never been a better time to go do it. And um, in, in the context of sourcing as well, uh, I think it's time for uh, sourcing managers and supply managers to go to the next level and to actually um, go into relationships with their suppliers that are at the next level. What I mean by that is uh, in the 70s or 80s, it was very common to just squeeze the suppliers to get money out, you know, it's just cost reduction. But uh, now in the new um, environment, where we actually need to pick the right partners to innovate, you know? We need to actually bring on more analysis of the product, uh, the design to manufacture, how I design my product so it's uh, cost efficient and innovative. And uh, for that, you need tools to be able to go deep into uh, the cost and uh, the supply chain strategies. Yeah. Cool, so we have uh, an audience question. Okay. Uh, what advice would you give to a supply chain that does not use software? Uh, to use our, uh, <laughs> our <laughs> of course, our to use hers. Yeah. Take a lot of medication. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not easy, of course, to jump into a new software, uh, but um, we are, I believe, the new generation of um, of sourcing software, and so I invite everybody to uh, to connect with me on LinkedIn, and we can. Uh, have a look on how we can help you, but for sure, I mean, uh, we can create a proof of value and a business case to uh, to help manufacturers uh, reach their goals. Um, and a pilot is going to have a lot of difficulties, you know, um, going across the Atlantic without autopilot. So. I know it's exciting to jump into spreadsheets and try to think, figure things out, but I, I believe that sourcing managers, they need to focus on something else than crunching data and, and rather on strategizing and, and making sure that you know their hardware company is surviving because it's not easy to generate profits out of hardware. And so you need to put everything you can on, the, on your side, yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you as our guest. I really liked what you said about uh, the importance of relationships as well. And the truth is, the more strategic companies, the more successful companies knew that years ago as well. They didn't squeeze their vendors like, uh, or, you know, penny pinched them all the way. They actually established those strategic relationships. And today, 
you just have to do it or you're going to be out of business. Uh, so it's been great to have you. We wish you a lot of success. Thank we'll have to check in with you later to see uh, if you have some additional use cases for us to share, to share with us. Uh, just stay with us as we go off the air in a minute. Uh, what do we got coming up? We have one more show tomorrow, right, Carlos? One, one more. more. Yeah, right. one, one more show, Tulio. And in case you're wondering how uh, to fuse security and compliance in the cloud native pipeline, that's exactly what we're going to be talking tomorrow about with our guest, Mayor Goldberg, the founder and CEO of, of uh, A Policy. That's the name of the company, A Policy. And the topic is going to be security and compliance automation for DevOps and Dev Security Ops. That's what we have tomorrow right here on Dojo Live at 12 p.m. Pacific. See you there and then. Be well, Bye. everyone. Thank Be you. Well. Bye. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.